Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist, Jay Carson. Here's our Ask the Politics Guys question for this week, Jay. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Okay. It comes from Janet in Silver City, New Mexico. Janet writes, Dear Politics Guys, Are current social safety net programs a sort of disguised socialism, and are these programs consistent with capitalism? Hmm. You know, we looked at the issue of socialism, at least indirectly, in our Ask the Politics Guys episode, uh, what was it called, What's a Democratic Socialist, back on, that was February 10th, so not that long ago, but it was really more of a Bernie Sanders-specific question, and so I don't think we really got as much into the broader issue of what people who aren't political scientists, meaning real people, uh, mean by socialism, and I thought, Maybe we could start off with that. And here's my thinking on this. My sense of things is that the word socialism it, to most people means something like government programs that redistribute wealth from the middle class and the wealthy to the undeserving poor. Well, I, I, I suppose I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I, would, I would say that is, that's not the classical political science Marxian uh, sort of definition. Yeah, and you, but, uh, but I would the view the view popular view would be, yeah, that's typically how it works, and and, and I think probably undeserving. I'm, I say that time, kind of tongue in cheek, but uh, redistributionist, I guess, would be yeah. the the key point of that. And, and I, you know, I think I I, I I sometimes really dislike those people who want to insist on this that well, that's not what socialism is, and so forth. And we could cite it, you know, Webster says, and so forth. I think the important thing is what people are really getting at behind that term, which is why yeah. I don't want to talk about socialism per se, because clearly we do not have a socialist system here in this country, and we're not going to have one. And that's a good thing. Well, not yet. Well, but... yeah, and, that, that, <laughs> and that's a good thing, you know, but it really is about redistribution. And, and Every system, to a certain extent, is redistributionist. And, you know, and I think it's fair to say that when, when we get into the capitalism part of this question, both you and I are big fans of capitalism. Yes? Well, yeah. I, At least I am. I am, yeah. I am a huge fan. I, I have maintained from the beginning that there is no system yet devised by human beings that has gotten more stuff to more people than capitalism, you know, I, yay capitalism. Uh, warms, warms, my, warms my heart to hear you say that. You know, I think everyone, even Bernie yeah. Sanders, agrees on that. Capitalism, we don't have a better alternative to capitalism, but, and there's a big but here, I think there's a big but here, capitalism produces big winners and big losers, and hence, we have a social safety net, you know, and that redistribution is series of programs, which, as you know, Jay, really began in a big way at the, at, the, at the national level in the 1930s under FDR, was really extended in a big way in the 1960s under LBJ with Medicare and Medicaid, mm-hmm. both of them Democrats. And I don't think that anyone who's running for president right now, none of the major candidates, really want to do away with this, or even really with the system of progressive taxation that allows it to happen. There's, it, I don't think, I haven't heard anyone say that it's fundamentally wrong that people who make 
a ton of money should be asked to contribute a, a little bit more or somewhat more than people who are making almost nothing. Uh, well, I, I, you could you could go back and argue some of your your serious like your Rand Pauls and yeah, so yeah, forth, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, no, I agree. No no serious mainstream candidate has has advocated uh, uh, massive changes to either the tax code that would fund what is our, our welfare state or uh, abolishing the, the welfare state. Yeah. Now, a number of candidates have argued for abolishing the IRS, which I think is sort of a nonsensical thing. Ted Cruz has talked about that. I don't really know how you have a tax system without an IRS. See, I really think it's it's a lot like you know saying that you're going to ab- abolish the IRS, but you're for the taxation system or at least some sort of income tax system. It's like saying, well, you know, I, I'm for uh, laws against crimes, but I'm going to abolish the police force. It seems kind of nonsensical. I don't know. What do you think, Jay? No, I think that's right. And I think there's there's really no, you know, when people talk about abolishing the IRS, I think they're talking about uh, moving to something like a, a flat or a flatter tax that would uh, get rid of the necessity for a, a large bureaucracy and would, would essentially substitute a, a smaller bureaucracy or something else. You could you could rename it uh, something else. Uh, but but no, we're we're not going to get rid get rid of taxes. And I don't think anyone who supports a capitalist system would would say that there should be no taxes uh, whatsoever. And, and just to be clear, people who call for a flat tax system, what that what that means basically, obviously, is that everyone would pay the same percentage. But almost all of those all of those uh, platforms I've seen have had something about having exemptions for people in the lowest income bracket. So if you're making you know thirty forty thousand dollars a year as a family, you're not going to be paying that. It only kicks in after a certain level. And of course, ten percent flat tax of a you know if you're making a million dollars a year is considered more than if you're making a couple hundred thousand. So it's still the rich pay more. That differs right. from a progressive system, a so-called progressive system, where not only do the rich pay more because they have more money, but their rate is actually higher. Right. They higher. Right. And so some people are against that. Well, I'm, I'm against it. And I, I think uh, there's been some really good research done, and I could try to find it and post it. But one of the, the biggest... Uh, impediments to to uh, upward mobility is is the marginal tax rate uh in that you know say you're you're moving from one tax rate to another you get taxed at a uh rate that is you know essentially you're you're working harder you're making more money but you're making less money uh, and a lot of economists uh conservative economists had argument yeah. argued that uh if we want to have a uh flatten the tax then maybe what we need to do is uh I guess reduce sort of the slope of that that curve, um, but that's really that's kind of an academic uh, argument. Uh, well, it absolutely is, but it's a very important argument in the sense that there's a there's a point at which the tax rate becomes revenue maximizing, but there's a point after which it it starts to lose that ability because people aren't willing to work harder to make more because it's all just going to the government. Now, conservatives that, and liberals... That's what, that's what uh, was called the, the Laffer curve yeah, back in the day. Laughable, but um, in any people case... People really, were really in the weeds on this. Yeah. yeah. And so everyone agrees that there's a level of taxation that's too high, and pretty much everyone agrees that there's a level of taxation that's too low. And obviously, the only way we can afford these social safety net programs, which again, everyone agrees we should have to a certain extent, is by having some sort of a system where the rich pay more than the poor. So it's really a matter of degree. No one's saying that, no one, no reasonable person is saying that we should abolish the social safety net entirely. 
and no one's saying that we should right. abolish you know, the rich paying more than the poor. And so pretty clearly, though, there's a continuum. On, on one end, you have Bernie Sanders, who's way out in front, calling for trillions of dollars more. Even liberal economists looking at a lot of Bernie Sanders programs just say, whoa, you know, this is how are we going to do this? This could be a real problem because if we try to raise enough revenue to do this, this might actually hurt economic growth. This is some liberal economist saying this. Then I think over, yeah. all the way over on the other end, we have someone like a Ted Cruz, who I would argue is the most conservative on these things. And then in between Hillary Clinton, I would say Donald Trump is actually pretty liberal on a lot of these things and Marco Rubio. No, I, I'd agree. Trump's pretty liberal on these things, which is hence hence a lot of the, the problems that the movement conservatives have with them. Yeah, I mean, um, when when it comes to social safety net, Donald Trump is hardly uh, uh, is hardly a conservative. You know, I, he's he's called for he, you know he certainly supports a lot of these programs a lot more than Rubio or Cruz does, which is why, in fact, a lot of Democrats are saying, you know, if we had a pick. Between Rubio, Cruz, and Trump, maybe Trump wouldn't be so bad, except on certain issues where he'd be disastrously bad, like immigration. But some some liberals are saying, you know, balance that against some of these social safety net things where he seems a lot more amenable. Maybe that would be the the lesser of three evils, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go sort of more to what Janet had asked is is are these social safety net uh, programs incompatible with capitalism yeah, yeah. let's get back um, to that and i think we sort of said well no they're not necessarily incompatible but i think what we we need to, to think about is they're sort of incompatible with the idea of, of conservatism hmm. with the idea of a small government uh and that the smaller the government the more individual freedom is maximized and I think that's that's where it gets into this, where, I mean, everyone likes to talk about uh, free stuff. Uh, Bernie Sanders giving away the, the free college, the uh, free free health care, you know, everything, everything being free. Uh, but it creates a dependence on the government. And I think that's where most conservatives bristle at this sort of thing, uh, is, is that that dependence is is incompatible with the idea of, of uh, freedom, because, well, look, if you're. If you're relying on the government for your your, your paycheck, uh, everything you need, um, you're going to vote the way that uh, the the people are giving you that uh, that money. It, put put it another way, sort of if you if you rob Peter to pay Paul, uh, you can always count on Paul's support. Yeah, but it can create a dependence, sure, but it doesn't have to. That that depends an awful lot on how the program is structured. You know, something like short-term unemployment insurance. Uh, it does isn't something that necessarily creates a dependence. Now, if it goes on for years, then that's a different story. But certain what are called uh, automatic stabilizers to kind of help people out during hard economic times so they can get on their feet again. I think there are a lot of conservatives who are fine with those sort of programs. Yeah. You know, it's just the ongoing programs that that where there becomes, you know, an issue. So something like free tuition for all. Right. That's that's an that would be an ongoing thing as opposed to maybe something more like, uh, well, I was going to say government subsidized uh, government backed college loans. But of course, a lot of conservatives have problems with those as well. Right. Uh, pr pr problems, again, not on so much on the idea that that they exist, but on the the, the terms and, and the way they've been been allowed to play out. Yeah. Um, but but I think there there's a certain argument that actually having some of these programs, some of this safety net in place can actually help to uh, 
make it make an economy more dynamic. For instance, if you don't have to worry about your insurance being locked into your job, your health insurance, all of a sudden that makes you freer to maybe quit your job and try out a new venture to be more entrepreneurial and so forth. But we don't have that kind of system. Now, so many people get their insurance, their health insurance through their employer. They're kind of stuck. And one of the arguments for Obamacare was that if we give people an option where they have affordable insurance that's not tied to their job, maybe they'll be able to move about and try new things and, and, and you know, contribute more to a dynamic economy. Now, it's certainly arguable whether that happens in, in fact, uh, you know, whether that kind of insurance is more affordable. I'd argue that the whole idea of, of uh, health insurance is kind of a fundamentally flawed idea, but that's another story. But the point is, is that if people feel like they're going to be protected at least somewhat, if they take some risks, they're going to be more likely to take risks, and maybe that's a good thing. And that certainly is consistent with capitalism, I would think. Yeah, it, it's sort of like the, the bankruptcy code, uh, Chapter 11. The, the idea that you can um, start a company and have it go bankrupt and, and you don't lose all your personal assets – uh, a lot of times that's that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it encourages people to take risks and the cost of those risks are, are leveled out and borne across the system. Uh, now, again, it's a matter of degree. Um, but uh, uh, so, I, you know, I guess I guess when when you say are these programs consistent with uh, uh, capitalism? I mean, again, my concern isn't so much that they're consistent or inconsistent with capitalism is that they're consistent inconsistent with um with greater freedom yeah. now now the, the other the other problem is as the programs expand as they become more expensive as they become you know entitlements and that's we're we're moving into that thing is is it from the just based on the demographics uh they're necessarily going to suck up more money and when you suck up more money out of the economy uh that that is a detriment to capitalism when there's sure. more money yeah. that's going to the government uh than is available for people to invest uh then then yeah that that is an impediment to capitalism and it it works less well than it, it ought to yeah and you know there's this question of who are the deserving and the undeserving and of course reasonable people can come to different conclusions and just like how much of a helping hand is enough or is too much causes dependence again reasonable people economists of very smart people on both sides come to very different conclusions on this these are not easy questions to answer by any means you know yeah. and, and let me also just throw out the idea that uh, the only social service safety nets uh, have to be provided by the government, uh, much less the federal government. Uh, I think we can look at look at different ways to to handle things. I mean, a big Republican piece has always been turning over more of the management of of uh, various welfare programs to the states. Let them experiment. Let them do what they they will and adapt those programs to their states. Uh, I think that's a better way to go. I think private charities are are tremendous, and I think the more the more that we can get away from people depending on the government as the safety net and depending on uh, other people, uh, other institutions, that maximizes freedom. Um, and and again, it's. Well, if you uh, well, we can we can talk about social security some well, other day. But I would say the one big problem with that though is that most states are required to balance their budget every year, whereas the federal government can put in place these automatic stabilizer programs that might mean that in an economic downturn, they you know they they go into a deficit. Just like you know, just if people like to make this household analogy, just like sometimes 
people go into debt to, to invest in things for their future and so forth. And so states are really hamstrung in a way that the federal government isn't. So while I, I certainly am sympathetic to this argument that, say, the state of Ohio knows a lot more about what Ohioans need than the central government in Washington, D.C., Ohio is, is, again, a lot more constrained than the central government. And that's, that's a plus and a minus. Clearly, it can go too far and we can end up with trillions of dollars in debt. That really is a drag on our economy. And I, I would argue that's the case now. And so once again, people are going to get tired of me saying this. It is a matter of degree, you know. Um, but I also wanted to point out that we actually do have some socialism in this country. Um, and where's that? Maybe the best example of it is in one part of the economy, one part of the country that everyone seems to love. That's the military. The military well, is very much okay. a, a socialist type of system. You get, I mean, when we talk about socialism, uh, uh, an example from sort of a, another country would be uh, the the British National Health Service, right? I mean, they they employ the doctors, they they own they, right. they own it. It's all the government does it, and so. You know, that's very much like how, how military medical care is and how veterans medical care is. And, you know, that works well. Uh, the VA has had more than its problems. The VA yeah, exactly. So there are certainly problems with that. And that, to me, is the fundamental problem with these systems, with true socialism, is that when you have a system where there's no competition, when people aren't forced to compete, quality goes down and people suffer. And so that, to me, is the is the... The, the most important thing, the best thing about capitalism is real capitalism. When there are actual competitive markets, I think that's that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing for consumers, not for businesses. And I've, I've said this time and time again and so forth. So, you know, and I think anything that the government can do, whether it's social safety net programs or, or anything else, to encourage that spirit of competition in capitalism is a good thing and government should absolutely be doing it. Um, I, I will I will take a little different tack and just you know conclude by saying, you know when when FDR launched so many of the New Deal problem uh, programs problems there was a Freudian slip there wasn't it there Jay um, yeah uh, consider the the situation that our country was in and he actually did so in in many ways to head off uh, arguments for more full on socialism or even communism. Uh, and that, we that should point out that, yeah, I mean, but I mean, before then, socialist candidates were actually doing, you know, fairly well in the polls. There's a guy named Eugene Debs who got uh, millions of votes back in the early part of the 20th century. So that was a, a real concern, a real thing. Yeah, and and again, not only socialism, but but communism. Yeah, I mean, and let's let's call it like it is. I mean, there was a strong communist movement. Um, I mean, it was more in the your cities and intellectual circles and all that kind of thing, but it was spreading in the 30s. And FDR, uh, much as I, I, I disagree with him on, on a lot of things, he, he was not a communist, uh, and he saw that danger of international communism. Uh, and he worked with you know labor unions and so forth to, 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 to stamp that out by making these steps. The other thing is when you look at LBJ's war on poverty, what poverty was in the 1960s and what poverty is now are two different things. Oh God. Yeah. And, and, you know, in many ways you can say, well, we haven't won the war on poverty. Uh, but in also many ways we have, if you, if you consider, if, if anyone's ever seen the, the documentaries of, uh, when, when people toured this thing, I mean, again, millions of people living, you know, in, in, you know, it's almost medieval conditions. I mean, no electricity, yeah. uh, no indoor plumbing, uh, you know, 
real, I mean, Jed Clampett type of uh, situation. Um, uh, today's type of poverty is is something different. It's 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 a, a different animal. You've got electricity, it's, it's refrigerator, TV, cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, so so again, I, I think we can say that uh, we don't want to have a a country where we have sort of the the Jed Clampett situation, uh, the, the the really destitute. Uh, stuff that we did in the 60s. Um, but and at some point, we, we, we were always defining poverty up, and that's an expensive proposition. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think kind of coming back to the, the question, you know, our, our current social safety net programs are sort of disguised socialism. I think my answer to that, just to be really clear, would be not not really. I mean, we don't really have much social – we don't really have any socialism in this country aside from – you know, aside from, uh, like I said, the Medicare and Social Security. Well, yeah, it, it, you know, that, again, and again, I'm being unfair because what I think what most people mean by socialism is, you know, these programs that are given money to the undeserving poor. And, you know, but to that by that definition, then maybe there's some, I think, certainly on that account, not nearly as much as I'd like to see. But then again, I, I think I'll differ with you, Jay, I'm sure, on how much we should be doing to support people who are unfortunate, less well off, that sort of thing. And of course, that's not surprising because liberals and conservatives do differ a lot on that fundamental issue. Well, and, and I guess the conservative answer is, uh, as, as Reagan once said, that our, our level of compassion uh, shouldn't be measured by how many people are on welfare. Uh, but by how many people uh, no longer need it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I guess that's, that's, you know, we, we have different, different solutions for that. And my sense is often that when you, when you cut the government spending and you do things that are uh, more uh, promoting of, 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 of growth, you, you help eliminate the problems that, um, uh, you know, we need those programs to fix. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's important to say that, and, and this really bugs me, a lot of my friends on the left, or some of my friends on the left, I guess, would say that, you know, they have this this caricature of conservatives as hating the poor and not caring and being, you know, cold-hearted and that. And I, I, I just think that largely that's untrue. As you point out, that it's, I'm a really nice guy. Well, you know, you, you are. Absolutely. I can vouch for you. And it's just that you – you're you're looking at the data and coming to a different conclusion, not because you want to keep people down or you want people to be in poverty. You just think that the way to lift them out of it is somewhat different from the way that I do. And, the, you know, the idea that we're going to get anywhere by by my side saying that your side are, are heartless, poor people, haters, or just on the opposite, there are plenty of conservatives who think that, you know, that liberals want to destroy freedom. And most of us don't want to do that at all. You know, and so you and I, I think, represent kind of the sensible centerish kind of components of both of our parties. Uh, unfortunately, I think that we, those we are truly the last great hope for America. You know, I really yes, think we are. Decide, and, decide that. Yeah. You know, and, and so you know, I, I, I would like to say also that along those lines, that should my presidential candidacy come to fruition, you know, and, and I, I am the. I am, in fact, the next president of the United States. Jay, right here and right now, in a bipartisan gesture, I'd like to reach out to you. I would like you to be my vice president. Wow, that's that's flattering. I mean, I am running, as do, we do talked I have to about. Sign up for anything? Or? You don't have to. You do don't have, have to sign to, up for anything have to at show all. Show up at any place. Or? I think. I think essentially how it works is that once I'm elected, since I'm not a member of a party or anything like that, I can just sort of give you a call and say, "Well, why don't you come on down to the White House, hang out, you know?" And that would be it. I think. I don't know. Hmm. 
So there's nothing really to it, but I think that would be a nice kind of bipartisan, centrist kind of gesture. And so, oh, I, I appreciate Jay, it. if you uh, will accept, I, I can, you know, I can take a look. There might, although I, I am a little concerned that there may be constitutional prohibitions on that. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I would say Adams and Jefferson had sort of the same arrangement, and it just it did not work. I think we can uh, make it work because. You know, so. Jefferson was an awful human. But anyway, another story, but I think we could make it work, Jay. I'm convinced, and, and I just wanted to I wanted to end this on a positive note while we disagree with a lot of things. Uh, I think that together we can build the sort of coalition to make America great again. Where should Unless I hear that can. from you? Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, on that uh, on that absurdist note, uh, that's, that's it for this episode of Ask the Politics, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we would love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. That's politicsguys, one word, at gmail.com. And our Facebook page, where Jay and I post and comment on news articles throughout the week and where you can comment, too, it's facebook.com slash politicsguys page. Uh, check it out and maybe give us a like. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate the show and write a quick review. And if you like what you've been hearing, we hope you'll consider supporting the show by putting a few bucks in the kitty so that we can keep on bringing it to you. And you'll find donation links on our site. That's politicsguys.com. Ask the Politics Guys will be back next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.